so good. Come on, that discipleship program is life-changing. The discipleship students are actually on their year-end retreat right now. Pastor Nick is with them in Chicago. And uh, let me tell you, the students that came in at the beginning of the year are drastically different from the students that we find at the end of the program. Their life has been completely transformed. It's amazing. So if, if that's interests you at all, I'd encourage you, at least apply. Put an application in there. Commit it to prayer and processing with the Lord. It's going to be so good. So come on. Tonight, before we get into our message, I was feeling this really, really heavy in my heart. And I, I was kind of trying to put it away. I'm like, God, this doesn't quite fit into the service. But I just feel like the Lord's like, man, he's just placing it so heavy in my heart. And I just felt like the Lord was saying to me that there's some of us in the room tonight that might not have like a deep relationship with the Lord. And maybe like if you're honest with yourself, maybe you don't even have a relationship with him at all. Or maybe don't even know what it looks like to live in relationship with the God of the universe. So I'm just going to give a little blitz share here and then actually provide an opportunity. So what, would, what do we mean when we mean relationship with God? And we mean that God actually created us for relationship with him. That's the reason we're alive is to have relationship with the God of the universe. But as we know, in, some, in the beginning of time when God created man and woman, there was actually sin that separated us from God. God is absolutely holy and he cannot stand in the presence of sin. He cannot. And so when sin entered our life, there became this gulf, this barrier, this wall between us and the God of the universe. And it was our sin. Now you might be asking yourself, what is sin? What is sin? Sin is simply looking to myself to meet a need that God was only supposed to fill. So that manifests itself in a bunch of different ways. It looks like lying to try to cover my own skin. It looks like gossip. It looks like cheating. It looks like sexual morality. Like these are the types of things that we find ourselves into. But ultimately, what are, what's at its root? We're looking to ourselves to try to find fulfillment and satisfaction when God was the only person that was ever supposed to fulfill that void. And some of you tonight, I just, I just get this sense by the Holy Spirit. Some of you tonight, like, like Zach was saying from stage, you're trying all these different things. Like you're running to boyfriends or girlfriends. You're running to drugs. You're running to alcohol. You're running to all these different things to try to fill the void in your heart that God, only God can fill. And I'm saying tonight is your night. Stop running from him. Stop running. Stop looking to all these false, uh, false idols, false gods, false lovers. Like, come to the one who actually wants to fulfill your soul and bring you satisfaction. So you might be asking, how do you do that? It's simple. Jesus made it simple. That gulf, that sin barrier stood between us and God. And the penalty for that barrier, the only way that that barrier could fall was through death. It was through death. And so you see in the Old Testament, a lot of these people, they sacrifice animals. They put animals to death to try to cover over their sin, but it doesn't fix the problem of sin. They cover over their sin, but it doesn't fix our heart condition to want to turn to ourselves rather than turning to God. And God knew that there had to be one sacrifice for all. And so that his spirit wouldn't just be on the outside, but he would actually live inside of us to change our desires from wanting what's in ourselves to wanting what he wants. And if we will make a decision today, and if we will say, God, I, I agree, one, I agree that I'm a sinner. I agree that I, I can't figure this life out on my own. 
I agree that I've been turning to all of these false things and they're not satisfying me. And then I, I, I want to turn away from that lifestyle and trust you as Lord. If we will make that decision today, then Jesus promises that we can begin a relationship with God. We can begin that relationship with him. And let me tell you firsthand, this relationship with Jesus is unlike anything you will ever experience in your entire life. Literally, I, I was filled with so much anxiety, hopelessness. I thought, that, I thought that I was too far gone for God, that I had done so many bad things wrong that God would never, ever want to use me in my life. And then Jesus broke in. He said, you're mine, and I want to redeem your life and use you to affect this world for, your, for my kingdom. And so if this is resonating with you in, in your heart, I just want to give you an opportunity tonight to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And what, I actually, what I'm going to ask you to do, and this is kind of something newer for our access community, is I'm going to ask everybody to keep your eyes open. And if this is you tonight and you're saying, if I'm honest with myself, I do not have a relationship with Christ, but I want to. I can see that I've been turning to all of these things in my life and they're not satisfying me. And I want a real deal relationship with Christ. When I count to three, I want you to stand up and just, just stand up in the presence of everybody looking. And the reason why I'm asking you to stand is because following Jesus is a step of faith. And a lot of times those steps of faith are outside of your comfort zone. And if we can practice that, if, if your first step of faith into the family of God requires you to go out of your comfort zone, then I'm confident that once you leave this building, you'll be able to walk out in faith outside of your comfort zone. That's the first reason. Number two is because we're a family and we love it when new members join this family. Like we love it when people turn from their sin and come and follow Jesus. Because you know why we love it? It's because we were all those people at one time. Like I had a moment when I stood up and I said, I don't care who's looking. I don't care how much of a mess I look like right now. I need to get right with God. And I don't care what that, what that means for me. And that's why we want to celebrate with you as you stand. So if that's you tonight, you're saying, I want to turn from my old ways. I want to follow Jesus for real. I want to go all in 100%. I want to follow him and make him the Lord of my life. I'm done playing games. I want, I want him to be Lord and Savior. Would you, would you stand on the count of three? One, two, three. Would you stand? Wow. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. We got one in the back as well. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Yes. Jesus, come on. Thank you, God. This is so good. This is so good. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. This is so good. Wow. I'm like speechless. Let's go, guys. So many more people. Three people gave their life to Jesus, joining the family. So let's all pray this prayer together. And the reason why we pray this prayer is because we're starting a relationship with Christ. And the relationship that we start with Christ is actually very similar to a marriage it's, it's the type of relationship, it's the same. It's called a covenant relationship. How many of you guys have ever been to a wedding before? Been to a wedding, right? The bride and the groom, they stay up there and they, they say vows to each other, right? They say, in sickness and in health, till death do us part, I will, to have and to hold, I will love you till, till we both, right? 
they make these vows to each other and that begins their covenant relationship. And so in the same way, we pray a prayer as Christians when we're making a relationship with God. And we say this prayer, we repeat this prayer to say, Jesus, you're mine forever in sickness and in health till, till death puts us together, I guess, right? Like we're having a relationship, right? So let's pray this prayer all together. Everyone repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, defeating death, sin, and the devil. And God, today I make you the king and the Lord of my life. I hold nothing back. I turn my back on my old ways. And I trust you wholeheartedly. Holy Spirit, fill me up and help me look more like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. So good. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. That is so amazing. That is so amazing. If you did stand up, if you want to come find me or if some, some of our leaders in the room, if you saw those people that were standing up, make sure to connect with them, point them to some resources. We want to share with you how to more faithfully walk this thing out with Jesus. So amen. All right. So tonight we are, some of you guys know, we're, we're going to have an entire service tonight kind of centering in on our red initiative and some of you guys know what our RED initiative is, but I see a lot of new faces here, so I'm going to explain it. So the RED initiative is, like we said earlier, this community exists to equip and mobilize young adults in identity, evangelism, community, and scripture. And so tonight, we're going to focus on scripture. And this RED initiative, it stands for a people who are rooted, established, and devoted to God's word. And that's the heart cry, that we as a community, that we would be rooted so firmly planted in the word of God, that we would be established, set on the word of God, immovable, and that we would be devoted, we would be filled with a deep love for the word of God and have a consistent rhythm of reading it. And so at the beginning, you remember, we set a goal in November, we set a beginning we set a goal that we would have 80 of our community read the entire New Testament by August 3 of 2023. So this was our goal back in November, that we as a community would read through the entire New Testament by August 3, 2023. That's the first Thursday in August. And so we started a Bible reading plan. We, if you, some of you guys got the brochure, the red initiative kind of brochure that we had out there and following along. And so I realized, though, we started back in November, right? And in no, if you would have started in November and gone to August, you would have had to only read one chapter a day, right? And if you read one chapter a day from August to November, you'd have read through the whole New Testament. But for some of us, like, we didn't even know this initiative was starting when we came, right? Some of us, we just jumped right into Access in, like, January or March, right? And so how would we know? And so today, my goal, my hope is actually to give like a little bit of an updated 
um, challenge to us. If you still wanted to hop on, if you kind of wanted to hop on the on-ramp with us as we kind of finish this, um, this endeavor to read the New Testament by the end or by the beginning of August, then you could do that. And so uh, I was doing a little research for this. I'm like, okay, how, how do we get there? Like, how do we get there as a community? So if, if we started tomorrow, if we started tomorrow, like how much time would we have to devote in order to read the entire New Testament from literally starting May 12, May 12? Yeah, May 12, 2023 to August 3, 2023. How many, how much time would we have to devote? And so I was like, I, I was thinking to myself, this is going to be so lofty. Nobody else is going to want to read, like reading 50 minutes. Like that's way too big of a jump. And so I, I found this though. Let's, let's, let's like take a look at the numbers. Let's just see. Let's just see. I know you can read it, but yeah, humor me. Here we go. So the time it takes to read the New Testament. So if you were just to start right now and you were to like blaze through the New Testament, it actually takes 17 hours and 44 minutes to read through the entire New Testament. So that comes out to 1,064 minutes. All right. So how many days are there from May 12, that's tomorrow, to August 3 of 2023? There's 83 days. So Oh no, I ran the wrong number. That's terrible. Did you see that? Anyway, I think that's the right number. I think I just typed it in wrong. But 1,064 minutes divided by 83 days comes out to 12.82 minutes. So if you read the Bible for 13 minutes a day, you would read through the entire New Testament if you started tomorrow. Wait, wait, wait. I'm just going to say that one more time. One more time, one more time. If you read... The New Testament, 13 minutes a day, starting tomorrow, you would finish the whole New Testament by August 3, 2023. 13 minutes. Guys, like, how many of you guys have a 13-minute commute to work there and back? Like, you could literally turn on the Bible app. The Bible app has, like, an audible feature you could listen to the New Testament on your way to work and on your way home from work, and you would literally listen through the entire New Testament before August of 2020, August 3, 2023. Or like 13 minutes, that's not even like a full TV show. Like what? 13 minutes, you could start like a little timer, just 13 minutes, that's it. And so I wanted to challenge us because I believe that God is preparing us as an access community for something really, really big and really, really wild, right? And a lot of times when God wants to pour out something on a generation, he's looking for the people who have character. The, the anointing and the power of God, I imagine it as kind of like a tsunami. It's kind of like a tsunami, it starts in prayer. <laughs> That's where it starts, the move of God. It starts in prayer. And if you know anything about tsunamis, is that they're actually caused deep, way out, way far away from the coast. And it actually takes just a little tectonic shift of plates. And the, the plates that are on the ocean floor, one of them just shifts a little bit like this. And it causes a little ripple thousands of miles out in the ocean. But as it travels further and further and further and further, the ocean floor gets higher and higher and higher, and this wave starts building and building and building and building and building, and all of a sudden, boom, it crashes, right? And that's exactly like the move of God. 
But where we find ourselves in this move of God, the, the move of God will either be something that keeps our boat afloat or it will be something that completely destroys our life. If you have a boat that is a thousand miles off the coast, they're not even gonna realize that this tsunami wave passed underneath them because they, they, there's such a depth there. There's such a depth way out in the middle of the ocean that tsunami wave passes by. And because these people are already on top, they're already on top of the water. When that tsunami wave comes, it doesn't shake them much. It actually keeps their boat afloat. But for those people who are sea level, those people who are waiting on shore, that tsunami wave actually brings a destruction. And so what we need to ask ourselves is where is our level of character? Where is our level of pursuit of Jesus? Where is our level of integrity? Because if it's here and the move of God that God wants to bring is here, then the move of God is actually going to keep us afloat. But if our character, if our integrity, if our pursuit of God is here and what God wants to pour out is here, the very thing we're asking God to do is actually going to wreck our lives. And then God is actually gracious to withhold his move because he doesn't want to destroy his people. Do we see that? I'm kind of going deep here a minute. But God is calling us as a community to go so deep. He's calling us to grow, to have such a depth with him. And where does that start? Where does all of that start? Where does the depth of our relationship with God start? It starts in his word. That's where it starts. It starts in the Bible. Now, some of you guys are sitting here and you're like, that's it. I'm going to get destroyed. Dang. <laughs> I'm not sharing this to condemn you. And if you're here right now and you're saying that, man, if I'm honest with myself, my pursuit of Jesus maybe isn't at that level. That's okay. But just recognize that it's not. And then let's move forward together. Let's start a conversation. What does it look like to pursue Jesus more fully? What does it look like to go deeper with the Lord? What does it look like to crack your Bible open and to dig into the word of God? And so I don't want to share all of that without giving you a practical tool on how to read the Bible. And that's where we're going to go today. We're going to go through a practical tool. And so my, my goal for today is actually to finish up, I'll go blaze kind of through this tool and explain it in a way that makes sense to me and my brain. Hopefully it'll make sense to you as well. And then we're, what we're actually gonna do is break up around the room and we're gonna read through a passage of scripture. We're gonna read through Philippians 3 all together. And we're gonna try to use this model that I'm about to show you guys, all right? And then we'll meet back in our community groups and kind of discuss, share some points about that we thought in the Bible, all right? So, I want to highlight two scriptures, two scriptures before we get into the practical tool. So Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3. This is, this is really the heartbeat of our red initiative. Like if there was ever a verse to describe our red initiative, who we are as an access community and how we are devote, rooted, established, and devoted to the scriptures, this would be the verse. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be a tree that bears its fruit in season, 
whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. Come on, it's so good. And then Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 26. Here Paul is making an analogy and he's speaking directly to husbands and wives, right? And he says here, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So then you ask, how did Christ love the church? This is how. And gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Jesus, how did he love the church? He actually washed us clean with the word of God. And that's what God wants to do tonight. He wants, he wants to wash us clean. And so the, the tool that we're going to use that I use, this is probably the tool I use the most when I spend time in scripture, it's called soap. And so Jesus, I believe tonight, he's going to bring out the soap and he's going to wash all of us in the word of God tonight. Come on. So good. Soap scripture reading. So what does the S stand for? It stands for scripture. And then the O, observation. A, application. And then P is prayer. All right. How many of you guys have ever gone shoe shopping before? Anybody got shoe shopping? Buy shoes? Maybe work boots, you know? How many, oh, so you, you walk down the aisle. Everyone, I want you to imagine with me that you're, you're shoe shopping. You're walking down the aisle, right? You're walking down the aisle and you see this wall and all they have is just one shoe and it's always the left one. It's always got the left shoe on the wall, right? And they always got, so you're walking down, there's this wall just littered with shoes, right? And as you're walking by, all of a sudden you go, oh. you just like, you notice one of them and you're like, hey, those are pretty cool, right? So you, what do you do? You walk over, right? You pick up the shoe and then you open it. You look at the size and you're like, oh, that's not my size. I better go grab somebody, right? Or, you know, maybe you stick your hand in the shoe and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, that feels real nice. Wow, right? And then maybe you look on the underside, you're like, whoa, I didn't even see this pattern. Oh, that's cool. Come on, right? Maybe you're feeling the end, you're like, oh, steel toe. And then you look at the tongue, you're like, and waterproof. No way. This is awesome. And then what do you do? Then you, what do you do? You sit down, right? You sit down and then you put on the shoe and then you stand up and you, you walk over to one of those weird foot mirrors that are only ever in shoe stores that show from like your shin down. And you're like, wow, look at my ankles. I've never seen them. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, this feels really good. And you're like, wow, this memory foam, man, no way, Right? And then I want us to imagine maybe we're 10 years old, right? And then if you're 10 years old in your shoe shop, and then what do you do? You look at your dad and you say, can I have them, <laughs> right? And that's kind of the model. This is kind of the model that God gave me to explain this, right? So I want us to imagine like we're reading scripture and it's like we're walking down the aisle of scripture. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit nudges us and he says, hey, bro, check out this verse. And it's like that shoe on the wall. And so what he's asking us to do is actually to pick that shoe up and take it off the shelf. What, how do we do that? We write down the verse. Write it down in a journal. Write it down on, in your notes on the phone. Copy, paste it, whatever you have to do. But then what do we do? We, we observe it. We stick our hand in there, right? We're like looking at the scripture in more detail. After we've written it down, we're saying, oh, let me look. What is it specifically that stuck out to me about this verse? What is it that drew me to this verse? 
Was it one specific word? Was it, was it maybe this that's connected to, at the beginning, that's connected to this at the end? And maybe I've never seen a connection there before. What is it that stuck out to you, right? But then we put on the scripture, we apply it into our life, right? We put that shoe on and then we have to feel it out. And we're saying, what is God saying to me specifically through this verse? How do I apply it into my life? And as we put it on, we're either gonna have two, one of two responses. Ooh, this hurts a little bit, but I know it's really good. Or we're going to say, wow, God, I had no idea I could feel this good. This is amazing. And what that, what that is, those two things, either, oh, it hurts a little bit, that's called conviction. And it's actually leading you into relationship with Christ to look more like him. And what's the other? Oh, my gosh, I never realized that it could be this good. That's called revelation. And God wants to bring that as we read scripture together. And then the last thing, what do we do? We look up at our parents. We say, hey, can I have these? We pray. And we say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, would you produce this in me? Because I want to look more like you. And I, I see now through this scripture that there's more of you that I have yet to discover. Would you lead me and guide me? So we have, we have scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Is everybody tracking there? Does that make sense? Give me a thumbs up if that shoe analogy was helpful. Yeah. Okay, all right, good deal. You guys are never gonna be able to shoe shop the same again. It's gonna be great. You're gonna be like, hey, can I help you with something? You're like, have you heard about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? <laughs> I love it. One other thing before we break out and kind of read through Philippians 3 together is I wanna mention is context is key. So when we're looking at scripture, when we're reading a section and taking one specific verse out of that, we have to remember that that one specific verse also lies within a bigger storyline, right? It lies within a bigger storyline. And the example I want to give for this is actually out of Philippians 4.13. This is one of the most popular verses in the entire Bible, right? By itself, this is what Philippians 4.13 says. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And we've seen it, like we see it on quarterbacks, you know, as they're throwing a football and they're like, yo, I can throw this football because of Christ who lives in me, right? And you're like, sure, in a way, that's, yeah, you're right, right? Or like it's on their basketball shoe and they're like, I can, I can make this three through Christ who lives in me. I've been saying that for years and they still don't go in, so. <laughs> and like, but we see like all these different sports people use it and, but what is, what is that verse actually saying? And when we read it in context, this is Philippians 11 through 13. We, so if we read it just by itself, we get this notion that whatever I do, I can do because God is in me through Christ who gives me strength. Like it doesn't really matter what I do, but as long as I do it for Christ, then I can do it because, because God lives in me and I can do it, right? But that's not necessarily what that verse means. And if we read the whole chunk together, we'll see that. Philippians 4, verse 11 through 13, it says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, who strengthens me. So what is it saying through here? He's basically saying, no matter what life throws at me, like whether I'm the richest person in the entire world or whether I'm the poorest person in the entire world, like that's not gonna phase me. Why? Because I have Christ and that's worth everything. 
Like, I know how to abound, and I know what it is to be in need. I know to be, to be well-fed, and I know what it means to be hungry. And the secret to being content in all of those situations is I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? It's understanding that Christ is with you. Do you see how the context kind of changes what we might think that verse means? And so as we kind of break up, you'll, we're going to read through. You can throw that S-O-A-P back up there. So we're going to be reading through Philippians 3 all together. So that's in the New Testament. It's kind of toward the back of your Bible. There's a bunch of little books toward the end of your Bible, um, which are called the epistles. And one of them is called Philippians. It's right after Ephesians and right before Colossians. And so we're going to actually set a 15-minute timer up here in just a minute, and we're going to break out across the entire room, and we're just going to take those 15 minutes to kind of do this reading activation, this S-O-A-P, the scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And then once the 15 minutes is up, um, we'll be coming back up here and giving some further direction, all right? Does that make sense for everybody? Everybody got it? Everybody remember S-O-A-P? Everybody got it? Okay, Philippians 3, and if you need an, a, a Bible at all, there should be Bibles um, in the back. I think they're actually on the coffee table. There's New Testament Bibles back on the coffee table if you do need a, a paper Bible or if you want to pull it out on your phone. All right, is everyone ready? You can find a spot inside the ground floor you want to go to find and spend some time with the Lord, spend some time in Philippians 3, and we'll see you back here in 15 minutes.